Welcome to Breakpoint Podcast, a show that dedicates itself to the best racket sport in the world. For the most extensive tennis podcast, let's join Ryan Tennyson, Josh Campbell, Joel Fritchie, and your host, Val Febo. Last weekend was almost a fairy tale for John Melman, having a stellar week in Budapest, winning his first ATP match on clay before overcoming Paul Light twice en route to his first ATP final. Alas, the fairy tale it wasn't, as the Australian fell to Italian lucky loser Marco Cecchinato in straight sets. This is Breakpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Val Febo. Oh, it was so close for John Millman on Sunday night. Really disappointing not to see him get through to that uh, elusive title that's eluded him for almost 10 years on tour. Plenty to get through on Breakpoint Podcast tonight. Millman will be our lead topic. Also, Rafa on fire on clay once again. Joel Fritchie will join me to talk about that. Uh, Carolina Pliskova took out the Stuttgart final over Coco Vandeweghe. Pauline Parmentier as well in uh, Istanbul on the WTA side. We'll also discuss the rankings and preview five tournaments that are coming up this week in probably the third or fourth week of the clay court season as we get into Roland Garros month on Breakpoint Podcast. But joining me to discuss everything to th- for tonight is Joel Frucci. Joel, how are you, mate? Good, Val. How are you, my friend? Yeah, very good. If I can get my words out, if I can get my words out tonight, that intro probably took me <laughs> three or four goes to get, but finally got there. Um, unbelievable week for John Millman. Getting through, beating Luca Pui in the second round in Budapest, having to avoid bad light twice. So his quarterfinal match against, uh, who was it, Yannick Maiden, and then his semifinal match against Aliaj Bedene. Both got delayed by bad light. So he had to play a set against Bedene on the final Sunday, got through to the final. Had to, that set went for about an hour, um, and then had to come out and front Cecchinato in the final. And unfortunately, it was 7-5-6-4. Milman had points to go up 5-1 in that second set, but just couldn't do it and lost the final five games of the match. And... Mm. Oh, I, I'm not going to lie. I almost threw the phone. I was that upset that yeah. he just he couldn't get there. But it was it was a stunning week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, well, first thing I'll say, it's a frustrating sport. This one, isn't it? When you, when oh. you, you, you think you're on the brink, and then uh, it can change in an instant, and all of a sudden you're uh, you've uh, you've you've lost the title. But uh, no, look, yeah, um, frustrating, yes. Uh, but I'll, you know, we've got to give some credit to, to John Millman. Had a great run. Um, on a surface that you know absolutely isn't his his no, preferred. No, not at all. Um, and I'm just going to say as well, I, I expected this from John Mil- from John Millman. I just didn't uh, say it on the show. But you didn't pick him. Yeah, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't pick him. I blame Dominic Team for that. Um, Why would you blame? T- oh, yeah, because of your Monte Carlo stuff. Yeah, because I, I had an outlandish prediction that uh, Dominic I Dominic Team was going to beat Rafael Nadal, and he failed abysmally. Yeah, well, six love, six two. Yeah, so um, now look, it's it's disappointing that John Milman didn't get the job done, but um, no, I'm very uh, very pleased with the way he played. Um, certainly uh, on uh, on a, you know a surface that isn't uh, isn't his forte. Yeah, well, he was zero and four coming into the tournament on clay. Now he's four and five after having four wins yeah. uh, in one week. Ended up losing to Dusan Lajovic in Istanbul overnight. But look, I think he's. He's just he played an unbelievable brand of tennis. And to beat Luca Pui, the defending champ in straight sets in the second round, I thought that was a supreme effort. But do you think being delayed twice stunted that, that tilt for that title? Like he had to come out one day, play his quarter finish his quarterfinal match, only had to play one game, albeit, but still had to come out the next day and play, then front up and play half a match against Aliage Bedene, and then have to come out the next day and finish the third set and play a whole third set, which went to a tie break. So mm. um, do you think that could have pushed him over the edge in terms of fatigue and still having to be mentally switched on? 
Um, I'm not so sure about about fatigue, but um, look, I think at that level, I think I think a lot of a lot of players, or most of, if not all of them, would be well equipped for for challenges of, of that nature. But what it what it, do, it does do is it really disrupts your routine. Yeah. Um, and that's a huge thing in tennis. Uh, it's I mean, you've really only got to look at um at, at service games really to see how much routine matters. Um, if 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 you if you're you serve a fault, right? And then you move on to your second serve. If your routine gets upset by something, um, I don't know, a crowd or some strange interference, a bug or something, um, you know, a ball going back onto the court, um, you know, I, I guess the, the, the best sports out there will, will just tell you to play too. But, um, you know, if, if, uh, if you have to serve a second serve, then, you know, it's not surprising um if uh if a you know a double fault happens um yeah i guess that's that's why um you know it's just a uh, it's just an etiquette to allow uh, a server um you know two serves again if uh if if their motion gets broken up it's it's all due to routine so you know to have um games uh, matches split up all over the place there's there's no doubt that that wouldn't help um anyone's routine not least johnny's yeah, and look, his serve did get interrupted. I think the final game he got broken at uh, at four all in the in the second set. He double faulted twice. He was up thirty fifteen in that game, and um, then at thirty all he double faulted once to concede a break point and then to get broken. So that was mm. pretty much the end of the match there. And um, he led him pretty much every single game in that second set, barring the last one. So it was disappointing for Milman not to get through. But I think with the question I ask you, and I realised that Cecchinato was a lucky loser. Lost yeah. in qualifying. So he's had to play seven matches over the week and get himself through to the final. So he had a phenomenal week himself. It was his first title. He's 26, so he's been on tour for quite a, for quite a bit of time. And for him to get a title, a very unlikely title winner, I don't think at the start of the year you would have had either of these guys in an ATP World mm. Tour final. Maybe Milman at some point with what I've seen, but I hadn't seen overly much of Cecchinato. And I, I thought he was phenomenal. And he's got that one-handed backhand. He, he's, he's a true clay quarter. With yeah, the way that he yep. plays, he's just a grinder. Um, probably wouldn't give you too much trouble on a hard court. If you, I think, if Milman played him on a hard court, I don't think he'd have any problems. So, just I think surfaces and the the slower surfaces really suited the way Cecchinato played and um, the way he he moved the ball. He got a lot of loopy balls back and a lot of spin on them. So, and Milman was sort of your more flatter type of shot. So it was disappointing for him not to get the title. But I think. As, as we've been saying all year, the narrative of tennis and seeing such wonderful stories, Cecchinato is one of those wonderful stories. Uh, to get to get a title um, at his age and a very unlikely title winner, as I said, lucky loser, it's very rare that they come up and win titles. So uh, I've, I think that was a phenomenal effort from him, but it's still, unfortunately, he's public enemy number one in this studio. <laughs> Yeah, that he is. Um, look, we we do have to give him some credit though. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, we speak of uh, we we speak of fatigue. Then uh, certainly he falls uh, into that category, having to you know go the extra extra mile in, in qualifying. And uh, I guess there, you know, um, dare I say there would have been probably I guess uh, some some mental fatigue there as well, more than as much as physical fatigue having. Um, you know, lost in qualities, and I think that would be the case with a lot of a lot of lucky losers as well. Yeah. Um, you know, um, it's all well and good to you know to be admitted into a tournament, being a lucky loser and having a second chance. But the reality is, you you've got into the tournament on the, on the back of a loss. So, um, you know, surely that has to play on your mind. So to go on and win the title, that's that's a, an amazing effort. Yeah, it really is. And he lost to Jurgen Zop in the final qualifying round, six four six two. So it wasn't lucky even 
really pushed until the very end. He lost that in straight sets and then ended up getting past Mirza Basic, Damir Jumhur, 6-3, 6-1, Jan Lennard Struff, who I had, making, I had making the final, Andreas Seppi in the semifinals, and then Milman in the finals. So, look, it's a pretty tough draw that he got through. Jumhur, Struff, Seppi, and Milman, um, and throw in Basic as well. I thought, look, that's a great week um, for yeah. Cecchinato, and I think that could possibly springboard his his clay court swing and look let's see how he goes I reckon um, th- that opens up a lot more doors for him to get into tournaments directly into Masters 1000s and so on so it's a great story either way Milman wins first title unlikely title on clay it was an unlikely final um, to reach it on that surface one that he he struggled on for so many years and I think as you know as big fans of John Milman on this show I think we can we only want the best for him and. Mm. Oh, it was just stunning to see him playing well. And look, this is what he can do when he's when he's at full flight. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's uh, you know we keep harking on about the the surface as well, but it's uh, you know maybe we'll see him playing uh, more more clay uh, events yep. now. Now that uh, he's had a run to the final and he's he's got that belief in his game that he can do it on yep. clay. Well, where to now? He's lost in Istanbul overnight to Dusan Lajovic, and that's probably more so fatigue rather than anything else. But mm. do do you see Milman? getting anywhere near a title on clay. Do you reckon this was just a one-off? Uh, yeah, look, I, I want to say, yes, he will get there, but uh, no, I, I can't really see it. Uh, yeah, this but, was his best chance. Yeah, I think this this was his best chance on clay. Um, so, yeah, look, if we see it again, it'll it'll be a surprise to me. Uh, I, I don't really think we'll, 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 uh, we'll see a sustained run like this from, from Johnny. Yeah, well, let's hope we let's hope we do, anyways, because mm. he's one of the good guys in tennis and one that Australian fans can definitely get behind. And hopefully, he has a good clay court swing. But then we move into the grass courts and hard courts, which will definitely suit him towards the end of 2018. But moving on, Rafael Nadal continued his stunning form on clay. He's won 48 consecutive sets. Backed up his 11th title in Monte Carlo with his 11th title in Barcelona. So he's in stunning form over Stefanos Tsitsipas, 6-2-6-1. What an effort from the young Greek player making his first ATP final. Nadal just on on fire, Joel. Like, it, mm. it's almost, I said in our pre-podcast video, he could line up in Avengers Infinity War and <laughs> easily account for, for Thanos. If Thanos walked onto, the clay, onto a bit of clay, he'd have no chance. Yeah, I don't think anyone would have any chance yeah. against this guy on clay. Um, and yeah, I'm 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 so dirty that I I doubted him in the first place. Um, I, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I, I never should have done that because he's quickly silenced me. Um, and look, looking ahead to the French Open, it's 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 impossible to see anyone going even close to Rafa. Um, yeah. You know, the, the the Nick is in. He's proving he's he's still he's still the man on clay. Um, you know, the throne is unchallenged and. Uh, yeah, look, I, 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 I honestly can't see any, anyone taking a set off him, to be honest. Never can I. Well, the closest now, Martin Klesan finally got to 7-5, uh, but lost the first set, 6-love. So <laughs> so still, he gets us five games in a set off Nadal, first player to do that in pretty much over a year, and or on clay anyway. And he's lost one of those sets, 6-love. So still only five sets for the entire game, but he's knocked off Carvalho's banner. Uh, Garcia Lopez, Klizan, David Goffin, and Stefanos Tsitsipas, um, all in straight sets. He's just on, he's just on a, on a clean run, really, Rafa. And it's getting scary, but what I want to ask before we move on to Tsitsipas and, and the rest of the tournament is, is it getting boring now? And yes, Nadal is amazing to watch on the clay, but you're going into these matches now almost knowing 100% that it's a foregone conclusion, the result. And, 
Does that worry you a little bit that more people might not tune into the French Open? Yes, it's probably history that he'll probably win his French 11th title at, at Paris, but is it boring? Um, look, in a sense, yes. Uh, I guess there's a there's a high degree of predictability around the around the French Open while Rafael Nadal is going around. You, you kind of know almost what to expect. He's going to pretty much wipe the floor with uh, with anyone that comes into contact on um, on on clay. But look, in a way, I wouldn't say it's boring because it's it's so rare to see a player dominate as they do um, on on a surface at a tournament. And look, the the way that that Nadal carries himself on clay, the way he plays, you almost tune in just to watch him play and see what he does. Yeah, because um, he does some sublime things. Yeah, he does. It's it's one of those things, and you almost you can almost offset the, I guess the the, the boredom of of the repetitiveness of of the winner just to see how that winner goes about doing um, what he does and getting to to where he uh, or where he where we expect he will get to. Yeah, and uh, look, you do make a good point, and watching him play is is a good is a great pleasure to many people. But I just think uh, I struggle because it's been thirteen years now, and we, we, even with Federer, he was never on grass. He was dominant, but he used to lose sets here and there. And Nadal is just he's a different beast on clay, isn't he? I think if if you look at the most dominant players in history, Nadal on clay would probably come as the most dominant out of all of them because mm. of what he's been able to do is just is stunning. And I think he's he's won... He, it was his 400th clay court win uh, over the week in Barcelona, and he's going at a rate of 93%. No one has even come close to that. The, the greatest clay court winner, I think Guillermo Villas, had the most, and he was at about a 70-something or 80-something at the most. Nadal's at 93% of his clay court matches, which is just... It's stunning. That's over 9 out of 10... Mm. that he's winning. Yeah, unbelievable. And the players that have beaten him have had to have played out of their skin to knock him off, which is just, it's an unbelievable feat what he's been able to do. But looking at the other side of the draw, Stefanos Tsitsipas, the Greek, young Greek 19-year-old. This kid, I honestly, I think he's going to be an absolute superstar in the future because what he's been able to produce already at such a young age, it just bodes really well for him uh, for the rest of his career. And, you know, there's no harm losing to Nadal on clay, um, 6-2, 6-1, like he did. But to the players that he beat in this tournament, Ramos Vinales, uh, Diego Schwartzman, Dominic Team, and Pablo Carreño Busta, all of them very, very good clay quarters, especially Team and Ramos Vinales, a former quarterfinalist at the French Open. And uh, he's also made the final at Monte Carlo last year. Schwartzman won the ATP 500 in Rio this year. And uh, Dominic Team, of course, we rate as the second best clay quarter in the world. And Carreño Busta are also, are also a star on the surface. So, mm. look, that is a phenomenal week. And to beat them all without dropping a set, that's look, that that's a winner in my book. Yeah, look, oh, it's tremendous for, for any 19-year-old. I mean, we, we love seeing young kids come out, really, and have these, these breakout... Um, events and you know it only takes one really to to set up an entire career because he's hit a he's hit a career high ranking now um, you know not quite in the seedings yet so um, I, I think I think we'll really get excited um, when he you know gets the security of a seeding um, for a major but you know for the time being um, you know to get where he has um, he's giving himself the best chance yeah um, so now look it's exciting to see what he can achieve and uh, just another another one of these these next gen stars that we're we're looking forward to seeing uh, more often because uh, the sport um, yeah absolutely it's in terrific hands with guys yeah. like Sitsipas and Chung and etc etc Zverev and Shapovalov um, TFO this yeah. just they go on and on. 
Well, they certainly do. And Tsitsipas, one-handed backhand, has the aggression, and he's almost at that seeding, seeded rank. He's at 44th in the world now after his week in Monte Carlo. So he's looking the goods at the moment. We'll move quickly to the WTA and Karolina Pliskova uh, as, well, I'm really surprised she won the Stuttgart title. I didn't rate her as a chance at all, but uh, she took it out over Coco Vandeweghe, 7664. It's 6-4, sorry, not form. Um, has she confirmed her status as a French Open contender, or do you still think that there's a few players that are cut above on the clay? Yeah, look, I'm still a little bit sceptical about her chances on, on clay. Um, I guess, uh, you know, she's thrown, probably thrown a bit of egg in our face, you know, you're winning a clay court tournament. Um, but that said, I think just, just the way that she plays, um, you know, with all that, uh, with all that power, with all that drive, um, obviously the clay does negate that a little bit. Um, and yeah, look, majors are a whole new ball game. Yep. So um, obviously she's going to be up there. Um, yep. You know, a fantastic player. You know, up in the top five. Um, so yeah, um, you'd have to say contender, but um, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be picking her to win to win the French um, any anytime soon. I think there's I think there's a few ahead of her. Um, I would look at um, I'd, I'd look at grinders like yeah. uh, like Harlop and, mm-hmm. and Kerber, those type of players. I think they're ahead. Even Caroline Wozniacki. Yeah, I concur. I think that I don't think Wozniacki's probably in that cut above. I think if Pliskova and Wozniacki played at the at the French Open, I think Pliskova would come up victorious. But the thing is, because Stuttgart is an indoor tournament. That helps the likes of Pliskova, those big hitters, because it's a lot faster mm. under the roof. And I think it's hard. I saw Matt Trelope, a tennis journalist in Australia, tweeted the other day that it's a very uneven clay court season for the women because you have Stuttgart, which is outdoor. Oh, sorry, indoor. You have Madrid, which is at altitude. And you have other tournaments that are in different sort of spots. But then you've got... Uh, sorry, Charleston as well is on green clay, which is one of the main tournaments in America, one yeah. of the main lead-in tournaments. And then you have Rome, which is on a very similar or level above above the sea to Roland Garros, similar conditions. So that tournament, I think, is where we can look at who is going to be the real outlier to win that French Open. And whoever wins that title will be, look, will be looked at probably as the favourite or one of the favourites to do quite well unless someone comes and stuns the field. But I think that's where Simona Halep will really take it into her own and take that tournament. I'm looking at Rome now and seeing Simona Halep as the champion there, and I think she goes on and wins the French Open. Yeah, look, at this point in time, you'd have to to agree. Um, Yeah, I think on clay, um, and and given what Simona has achieved this season, um, I I, I just think it's all... um, it's all it's all coming together for her um, at the right time of the season, and you know when you think back as well to last season, what happened to her? Um, yeah, at, at the French, I, dare I say there'll be a, a bit of a fire burning oh, there, yeah. a bit of uh, and a the Australian of, Open, yeah, and the Australian Open, a bit a bit of desire to uh, you know um, certainly the French get uh, you know go on better. Yeah, hundred percent. And well, look, Pliskova. This is a good advertisement for her form on clay. She's knocked off Kiki Burton's former Roland Garros semi-finalist, Yelena Ostapenko, last year's Roland Garros winner, Annette Kontaveit, good all-quarter, and then Coco Vandeweghe in straight sets in the final. Only dropped one set, and that was to Ostapenko. So, look, anyone can win the French Open on the women's side, and Pliskova is a... I think she's a a big chance to do it, but as you said, I think there's... A few players that are just a cut above, and, and yeah. finally, sorry, you go, Joel. Oh no, so, I was just going to yeah. say as well. I mean, clay is clay is such a 
such an unknown quantity. It's it like really is. Forrest Gump's box of chocolates, really. Like, you know, <laughs> anything can happen on clay. I mean, we saw Yelena Rostopenko win the French Open last year. So I think, I think that really speaks volumes about the, the kind of, um, you know, the kind of openness of, of the tournament on the women's side that we should expect. Yep, and that, I think that's what we love about it at the moment and why we why we're enjoying the women's tennis because it's so open. Throw a blanket, as we've said numerous times over the last year, over 40 players, they could win a Grand Slam. Who knows, as we've seen over the last year. But one quick one before we get to a break. Pauline Parmentier, the French woman, has won her third career title and her first since Bad Gastine in 2008 in Istanbul this week, defeating Polona Herkog in the final 6-4-3-6-6-3. So a wonderful story for the 32-year-old. Hasn't won a title since she was 22. Um, again, adding to the narrative of tennis, just unbelievable stuff from Parmentier. Joel, before we get to the break, our tipping mm. competition standings. Uh, last week, I was on 39. You're on 35. Josh on 28. Ryan on 21. I'm on 40 now. You're on 36. Josh on 29. Ryan on 21. He doesn't send in his picks anymore, so <laughs> safe to say we can cancel him out, but all three Wood of spoon. us, me, you, and Josh, got one point from last week because uh, we all picked Rafa and none of our other picks succeeded, but plenty more still to get through, Joel. We've got our rankings coming up. A few changes not really well, none in either of the top 10 but uh, uh, we've got some Aussie changes and our rise and sliders then we have our all important previews this week so stay tuned on Breakpoint Podcast you're listening to Breakpoint Podcast remember to tune in every week on Wooshka as we update you with the best tennis news in the world we're also on social media you can find us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast and Facebook Breakpoint or at Breakpoint One Keep listening as we discuss the rest of the tennis news. This is Breakpoint Podcast. Val Ferbo and Joel Frucci taking you through all things tennis from the last week. And, well, what a week it was with John Millman making his first ATP World Tour final in Budapest. We love stories like that, especially when it's John Millman. And also Rafael Nadal emerging victorious in Barcelona with Carolina Pliskova as well, doing the same in Stuttgart on the WTA and Pauline Parmentier taking her first title in 10 years in Istanbul. What a story that was as well. But with those tournaments come ranking changes, and uh, that's where we are now. Joel, fire us through the men's top 10. Yeah, so it's unchanged this week. Rafael Nadal still uh, up the top, and I can see Val shaking his head that Roger Federer isn't uh, up there because he's second at the moment. Uh, Alexander Zverev is three. Marin Cilic, four. Grigor Dimitrov, fifth. Juan Martin Del Potro, sixth. Dominic Team seven. Kevin Anderson, eight. Uh, Big Johnny is in the nine, and David Goffin rounds out the top ten. Fantastic. Thank you, Joel. The Australians now, Nick Kyrgios, unchanged at 24. John Millman up 25 spots to 69th in the world. Matt Ebden at 81. Jordan Thompson up four to 94. Alex Dimonor up three to 111th. Tanasi Kokonakis down two to 152. Mark Pullman's uh, final in Tallahassee in the Challenger there in America, up 38 to 168th career-high ranking for him. Alex Bolt up four to 171, Jason Kubler down 1 to 180th, and Akira Santillan down 1 to 194th. Who's your riser of the week, Joel? Um, for me, it had to be Stefanos Sissipas. Sissipas, um, yes. Yeah, just, uh, I was going to pick Johnny Millman, but uh, I couldn't help but go with the kid. Um, up 19 to 44, career high, of course, made the final in Barcelona, so well done to him. Yep. Oh, I'm going to take Millman then up 25 to 69th in the world, almost at a career high ranking. His was, uh, his still stands at 60, but at this stage, he doesn't have many points to defend from this time last year, so I reckon he might beat that. And just a shout out to Marco Cecchinato at uh, up 33 to 59th in the world, career high ranking for him. Slider of the week. Uh, Aljo's better now, down six to 63, mm. which um, 
interestingly, he's down 20 from his career high, which he only hit in February. So it's yeah. a bit of a slip. Yeah, well, um, he did quite well yeah. in this period last year. So it's it's a bit of a struggle for him at the moment. But look, I think he played some pretty good tennis and made the semis in uh, Budapest, lost to Milman there mm. in a third set tiebreaker. So um, look, he's not in bad form, but also not in great form at the same time. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, we'll see how we go. Uh, my slider of the week is Luca Pui down four to eighteenth in the world, whilst in the, lost in the second round of his title defense in Budapest uh, to John Millman in straight sets, and was in the top ten a couple of months ago. So yeah. he's uh, slipped a bit drastically. Hasn't really done too much to impress this year, has he? No, he hasn't. Um, I'm just going to put it out there. I think Luca Pui is the most disappointing player on not only the men's side but the women's side as well. I think really, if you, if you bundled them up. Um, and had to pick out one player that disappointed you the most. I think Luca Poi is that person. Um, really? Why? We've just expected him to go to this next level, and we haven't seen it yet. Um, and he's just really flattered to deceive. So, yeah, yeah I, I just haven't really been overly impressed with the, the path of, of his tennis. Um, I, I was expecting him to be um, sort of almost almost pushing to consolidate a place inside the top ten. Not oh, not right. really not really sort of fighting just to be, you know, in the top 20. It's a massive call to say he's the most disappointing out of all of them. I, I would have uh, a guy maybe like Gael Monfils, Nick Kyrgios, Bernard Tomic in there as well as, as the most disappointing. I, I don't know about Pui. I think he still shows a lot of dedication and has got himself into the top 10. But I, I see where you're coming from. He hasn't really taken that next step since those two quarterfinal runs at Wimbledon and the US Open yeah, well, in 2016. The US Open was, yeah, the US Open was the uh, was the one that really, for me, said, look, this guy this guy is going to be a, a star. Yeah. And since then, we just haven't really seen it. We still never even won a match of the Australian Open. Yeah, well, that's Which, it. That's it. Yeah, for someone that's, that's been in the top ten to not win a match in Melbourne, that is not um, good enough. It's a little, it's a little pathetic. Um, so, well, I guess we'll see what happens. I shouldn't really be calling him pathetic. I wouldn't even get a game if I, uh, if I decided to front up at the Australian Open. Um, well, not really decided if I got selected um, as for a wild card, which will never, ever happen. Uh, your WTA... Uh, did I do my slider? Yes. Um, your WTA top 10. Uh, yeah, so uh, this is unchanged as well. Uh, yeah, both unchanged. Yeah, not a lot of changes at all. Uh, not, not much work for me. Um, Simona Harlop still world number one. Caroline Wozniacki close behind uh, in two. Garbina Muguruza three. Alina Svitolina four. Yelena Rostopenko fifth, coming up to her favorite tournament, dare I say. Carolina Pliskova, six, uh, Cara Garcia, seven, uh, Venus Williams, eight, Sloane Stevens nine, and Petra Kvitova is 10th. Thank you, Joel. The Aussie women now. Ash Barty up one to 18. Dara Gavrilova unchanged at 24. Stoza also unchanged at 57. Isla Tomjanovic down one to 96. Arena Rodionova down seven to 138. Olivia Rogowska unchanged at 148. Lizette Cabrera up two to 155. Destiny Iava up two to 186. Priscilla Hon up 1 to 188, and Alan Perez up 14 to 240th in the world. Your risers and sliders of the week. Joel, your riser first. Uh, my riser is Donna Vekic, who's climbed 5 to 49. Fantastic. Mine's Pauline Parmentier after her win in Istanbul, up 46 to 76 in the world. So that is a massive jump from the French woman. Fantastic story there. Your slider. Um, well, speaking of disappointing players, um, and funnily enough, well, the other one that I could identify is, is another French uh, person, um, Christina Mladenovic. Just, yeah. Yeah. Um, See, I, I would have her as more disappointing than Puig. Yeah, I know. Like, obviously, she had this terrific run, and then and then uh, she got into the top 10, didn't she? This year, yeah. her and Puig yeah, have both yeah. been in the top 10. Yeah, she cracked the top 10 and uh, just had a, a real slump and then hasn't really recovered. And uh, now she's uh, dropped another two to... 
22. It's a bit of a Richie Benno. Uh, two for 222. Yeah. Um, so just getting further and further away from the top 10. And it's uh, it's really disappointing to see uh, given where she was. Yeah, it, well, it really is. And as you, as you say, I think she's one of the bigger disappointments uh, on, on the tour at the moment. Went on a, what, 13-match losing streak at some point towards the end yeah. of last year and the start of this year. Uh, my slider is Maria Sharapova, down 12 spots to 53. Had her injury problems and a form slump. She loves the clay, but look, I don't think she's ever going to contest for a Grand Slam again. I, I just don't think that she's thereabouts. Um, her form just hasn't been the same since she came back, and she doesn't look like the Maria Sharapova of old, does she? No, she doesn't. Um, and uh, look, I think after all that time out, I don't think she ever was going to uh, get back to those heights again. Nah, never. Um, well, Joel, that's our rankings for this week. Not really many changes at the top of the the top of the pyramid, but a few changes throughout the uh, the thicker side and the the lower um, ebbs of the rankings. And look, previews coming up next. Five tournaments we have to talk about this week. There's a lot to get through, so we're going to do all of our picks coming up next. And I've got a couple of doozies here that I reckon, um, if if they're right, might even win me the tipping competition quite early, but I don't know if they will be. I'm putting, I'm probably putting a bit too much faith in some people, Joel, but mm-hmm. look, we'll see how we go. I think uh, your Dominic team... Uh, exploits probably shouldn't have made me do this, but we'll see how we go. Uh, plenty more still to get through on Breakpoint. You're listening to Breakpoint Podcast. Remember to tune in every week on Wooshka as we update you with the best tennis news in the world. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, and Facebook Breakpoint or at Breakpoint One. Keep listening as we discuss the rest of the tennis news. This is Breakpoint Podcast. Val Febo and Joel Fridgey taking you through the world of tennis. We've done our rankings. We've done our review. Time for our all-important preview and our tips for what is happening this week. Joel, we've got a lot of tournaments to get through this week. This is a pretty action-packed week. Three tournaments on the ATP side in Munich, Estoril, and Istanbul, while in uh, in the WTA, if I can get my words out, Prague and Rabat take. And what, what, what... what sound does a Moroccan frog make, Joel? Oh, dear Lord. Rabat. There we go. All right. Oh, my God. How good is it? Are you sure you're not a dad? Not yet. Anyway, <laughs> not yet. Um, geez, don't frighten me, Joel. I'm too young. I'm too immature <laughs> to have kids. Um, or at this stage, anyway. Um, we'll start off in the ATP in Munich. And Alexander Zverev is the top seed here, the defending champ as well. Roberto Batista Agu is number two. Schwartzman, three. Chung, four. Uh, Fonini, five. He's out. Lost to Marco Cecitano. So he's uh, he's doing all right at the moment. Lost that five seven six three six two. Cole Schreiber six. Monfils seven. Lost the Mirza Basic six two three six six three. And Yuichi Sugita was the number eight seed, but he's out. Lost Yannick Maiden four six seven six six two. I just get the feeling Alexander Zverev is going to be the most talented player in this draw. And do you have the same feeling? Um, I've actually got Hyun Chung winning. Really? Yeah, I do. Okay, over yeah. uh, over Diego Schwartzman. Right. Okay. Well, that that's thrown me for six, really. I've gone Zverev winning the title, and I agree with you. I think Schwartzman will make the final. That bottom half of the draw um, looks pretty good for him. That's an yeah. interesting pick. Why Chung? Um, I just like what I see from him. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm, uh, to be honest, I'm I'm not entirely convinced by by Zverev yet. I'm not. Um, see, I, I'm. I know not... it's a I know it's a tour event, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm just not not convinced. See, I'm not, but at Grand Slam level and 250 event, I reckon he will he will win this one very comfortably. Yeah. But we'll, and on clay too. Yeah, like obviously Grand Slams are you know they're a different kettle of fish, but um, 
look, that that doubt for me just I can't help but have reservations about picking him. To be honest, I think he's still got a lot of things he needs to fix up. Yeah, well, could definitely be. It'll be a very interesting, uh, interesting tournament. I just I do think it will be Alexander Zverev. Who, uh, who takes the chocolates. But we'll see. Estoril here. Kevin Anderson, the top seed. Pablo Carreño Busta, two. Edmund, three. Gilles Muller, four. Al- Albert Ramos Vinales in five. Lost to Federico Delboni, six, two, six, four. Robin Haas, one of Joel's favourite players, it was sixth. He lost to Cameron Norrie, six, four, three, six, six, three. Florian Meyer, seven. Daniel Medvedev, eight. Lost to Jao Sousa, seven, six, seven, five. Alex Dimonor also in this draw, defeated Gasto Elias, six, three, six, one in the first round. We'll play Kyle Edmund tonight, the third seed. I reckon he's a chance there. And as we said last week, Leighton Hewitt and Alex Demonor taking on the doubles draw. They took on and defeated the number two seeds, Raven Clarsen and Michael Venus, 6-4, 6-4. They'll take on Cam- uh, Cameron Norrie and Kyle Edmund next. So not a bad draw for them. Um, I think they could, if they beat Clarsen and Venus, I reckon they can definitely beat Edmund and Norrie. But who's your pick for this draw, Joel? Um, I couldn't look past Pablo Carreño Buster. Um, yeah, yeah, neither. I, I think he's a, a pretty safe bet, and uh, I've got him knocking over Hao Sousa. Hao Sousa. Hao Sousa. Great name, isn't it? Mm. Um, he'll take on a namesake, actually, Pedro yeah. Sousa. Yeah. And I don't think they're related because I read an ATP article today, and um, I tried to see if they were related, but uh, it just says countrymen, so no relative or anything. So this must be a common name out there in Portugal. I've got a Carreño Busta winning over Alex Dimonor. I reckon mm. he's making his second final of the year. Big call. It is, but look, not he's been, not, not, uh, not out of the ordinary. He's been there already, and he does play a lot on the clay. I reckon he'll get to the final. That draw is pretty open. Kevin Anderson, not your well-known clay quarter, um, nor is Kyle Edmund. He did make a mm. final in Marrakesh, but uh, that draw wasn't the strongest of them all. So it'll be a very interesting tournament, this one in Estoril. And hopefully Hewitt and Demonor can go all the way in the doubles. They've already knocked off the second seed, so let's see how they go. Istanbul now. Chilich, the top seed. Damir Jumhur. One of our favourites on this show is the second seed. Andreas Seppi, third. Alias Bedenev, fourth. Uh, got a lot of good names in this tournament. Paolo Lorenzi, five. Victor Troitsky, the uh, the human fireball, six. Uh, Yuri Vesely, seven. And Nikolos Basilashvili, another great name in eight. But he lost it to Jeremy Shardy, seven, five, six, three. Bernard Tomovic, Tomic, also in this draw. Lost to Troitsky in the first round, 3-6-6, love, 7-5. So typical Tomic match, winning the first set, getting smashed in the second, and then coming close in the third. So Yeah, exactly. We've come to expect that, haven't we? Yeah, pretty much. It's (laughs) um it's yeah, pretty much. It's it's part and parcel of what Bernard Tomic is nowadays, I guess. But who's your pick? Um, I have Marin Cilic winning yep. uh, pretty comfortably, actually. And uh, I've got uh, Jeremy Shardy making the final. Shardy? Interesting. Mm. Okay. I've got Cilic over Bedener in the final. I, I was tossing up between Bedener and Shardy to make it. I just think Bedener semifinals in uh, in Stuttgart. Uh, sorry, not Stuttgart, Budapest. Um, I just think he might be the, the one to beat on the bottom half of the draw. But Cilic, uh, he's way too far ahead of everybody else there. Mm. So I think he'll be getting title. I don't think he's won one yet this year. So his first title of the year. Prague now. And he's just married too, Marin Cilic. He got married during the week. So congratulations to him. There you go. We'll move to the WTA in Prague now. And I hope that was Chavapi at reception. Oh, they would have been 100%. Good. Well, the, so I've been to, I'm half Croatian, been to a few Croatian receptions here for weddings and birthdays and stuff. They usually, they serve you chicken soup. Um, which is pretty nice, pretty standard. It's bloody delicious. And then you get a bit of chavapi. You get a, I don't know. It's just all meat. It's bloody delicious. <laughs> just meat. Anything meat is good. And sorry to all your vegetarians and vegans out there, but meat is the best. Uh, mm. 
I, and just to translate that, uh, what Val was saying was, uh, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Pretty much. So... Um, I, had, I had to be diplomatic, Val. <laughs> Um, although I had no intention of being. Uh, Prague on the WCA. Karolina Pluskova was the top seed, but she's pulled out with a inverted commas, or inverted quotes, right thigh injury. She just won the title. She's not playing the next week. She's trying to get herself right for the rest of the mm. clay court season. Uh, Petra Kvitova, two. Daria Kasatkina was three, but she lost to Italian wildcard Jasmine Parlini, six, three, seven, six. Uh, Daria Gavrilova was four, lost to Sam Stoza, uh, six, three, four, six, retired with a right Achilles injury. So disappointing there for Dasha. Barbara Stritzova was five, lost to one of our favorites, Camilla Georgi, six, love, two, six, six, two. A lot of momentum shifts there. Jung Shui, six. Mihaila Buzanescu, seven. Katarina Blinkova, eight. And Alexandra Sasnovich, 9, but lost to Christina Pliskova, 7 6, six three. So it would have been an all-Pliskova first round if Carolina didn't uh, pull out. So disappointed about that. But who's your pick for this tournament, Joel? Um, yeah, it's another pretty open draw. I, I think Petra Kvitova will, will win. Um, and I think Camilla Georgi might make the final. But um, Really? Yeah. But that said, it's, it's a very... Yeah, it's a very open draw. Hard to pick. So Kvitova over Georgie. Yes. All right, that's an Kvitova just on clay. It just doesn't doesn't suit. It, I don't know why. Yeah. but I've got her making the final because it's I, just a very weak. Draw. I, I just can't. I can't really see anyone else to be honest. Yeah. Well, you're gonna laugh at me because I've picked probably the most inconsistent player of them all. Oh, here we go. Samantha Stoza. <laughs> He's going to win this title. Now she's I've, got her, I've got her beating Petra Kvitova. I swear if she wins, I'm coming in this studio next week. I'm throwing a party. Um, All right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll bring I'll bring Lamingtons or something to celebrate the Chivapi. Australian win. Yeah, let's oh, let's do that. Let's go. Uh, actually, I know a good restaurant that does Chivapi. We have to go there. Um, we'll talk about that away from the show. We won't make our plans here so people don't follow us and snap us like the paparazzi. Um, imagine that. That would be... Uh... Strange. They'd be scraping the bottom of the barrel, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got Stoza over Kvitova. You've got Kvitova over Georgie. The uh, Moroccan Frog City, Rabat. Um, no, not a fan? Rabat. Nah. <laughs> no. It's, it's not bad. Come on, it's not bad. I, I think that's quite creative. Um, I don't know if Morocco has frogs, but if they did, that's how they'd sound. Yeah, uh, I don't uh, think Morocco's got frogs. You don't know. They might. I'm, I'm going to Google this after the show. Uh, seeds. Elise Mertens, one. There's a lot of seeds that have been eliminated here. Dominika Sabulkova, two. Lost to Polona Hercog, who's in great form. Two, six, seven, five, six, four. Petra Matic, out. Lost to Kirsten Flipkins, three, six, six, two, six, four. Tamea Barbos, also out. Was four. Lost to Ale- Alexandra Dolgaru, uh, two, six, seven, six, seven, five. Tamea Bashinsky was five. Pulled out with a right calf injury. Zarina Diaz was six, lost to Sara Arani, six four, six four. Alexandra Krunich, seven, still in, and Sue Shea, eight, still in the tournament. So this one, a lot of the seeds have been eliminated early. Isla Tomjanovic also in this draw. She defeated Sola Espinosa, six two, three, six, six one, and we'll play Kirsten Flipkins up next. So not a bad draw for it, but um this one was really hard to pick for me. Mm. Who who did you go for? Uh I've got Elise Mertens. Um, yeah, I've and I think same. she's going to knock over Palauna Hercog. Hercog, okay. Yeah. I hope. Look, I hope Hercog can get through. It was tough for her to lose that final to Parmentier in Istanbul. So let's hope she can make up or make up the ground and go one better this week. I've got Mertens over Krunic in the final. I've gone for an all-seeded affair. Um, Mertens won her first match, six love, six love. So she's looking pretty good um, and has had a good year so far. So I reckon she might be the one to beat there. So that's about all we got time for, John. 
been a very fun show, hasn't it? Mm, yeah, Spoken has. about everything. Unfortunately, Milman couldn't get the chocolates, but uh, thank you very much for being a part of it tonight. Uh, do it all again next week. Yes, we will. And we're only four more episodes away from the B100, Joel. Are we having a party? Chavapi party. If, if there's Chavapi, then yes. All right. I'll, well, I'll see what my grandparents can do. I might say, <laughs> I'll see what they can do. We've got, we've got a thing at, at their farm called a pushera, which is where you have, you smoke the meat. So they've got like prosciutto, nice. sausages. They've got everything in there. It's oh. bloody delicious. And every time you go in there, I always go in to have a look. You come out smelling of meat and it is, oh, oh it's so good. I'm getting the meat sweats just yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. It's lovely. You literally are too. This is, um, it's, you're getting a bit too excited here, Joel. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you very much. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Facebook, like us, Breakpoint Podcast or at Breakpoint One. Follow us on Wooshka as well. Subscribe to the podcast. They go up every night after the show. Um, and also they go up on iTunes as well. So you can just subscribe on iTunes to what we think is the best tennis podcast in the world. Joel Frucci, I will see you next week. Sounds good, mate. I've been Val Febo. Hope everybody has a lovely day and a lovely week.